Hi, Hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman and Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushman and Dustin. Hey guys, Nick and Tyler here with Ring Next Retrievers. Tonight we have Caitlin Boardwell. Um, she is coming to us. She is an archer. She has uh, her dad has a kennel. They run their own dogs. Big time duck bird hunter. Um, so we're just going to get into it. I'm going to ask Caitlin some questions. So Caitlin, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about you know where you're from, a little bit about uh, your hunting and what you like to do, and and, and some of those things. Yeah, so I am from Tully, New York, which is upstate New York, not the city. Um, yeah, <laughs> big difference. My family owns an archery shop that I grew oh. up in. So I grew up around hunting and I started shooting a bow when I was two years old. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so that's how I progressively got into the archery and hunting as well. Um, and then, you know, I grew up with short hairs for hunting around and so it's basically something that I've known since. How do you get into competition shooting for archery? I don't I have no idea. Yeah, so that's actually, so I actually have a archery team right now of kids and you know, I'm helping them get into it. And the biggest start is there's a lot of, people don't realize this, but there's actually a lot of local clubs that have okay small little shoots um and that's a really good start and then going from there you know starting out at maybe a state shoot and then from there going to big national shoots but um yeah there's like i said people don't realize it but there's shoots all over so have you been on the national shoot then have you gone to yep i go to normally normally i go to about 12 national shoots a year Oh um, wow! This year, yeah, this year we didn't go to that many, obviously, because there was COVID going on, so a lot of stuff got canceled. But what's what's COVID? I mean, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> what is so? What's a what's a shoot consist of? I mean, what do you what do they judge you on? Is there different ranges? You know, what what give us a rundown of like a national level? What's that? Yeah. So there's different styles and. Um, so it's kind of hard to explain because one shoot is different from the rest, but the basic explanation is so during the winter time, they have indoor shoots where you're shooting paper targets from 20 yards. These targets have rings on them that are accumulate score. And then um, depending on what shoot you're shooting at, you shoot a certain amount of arrows and whoever has the highest score wins. Normally in the professional level, they'll have the top however many shooters actually go in a shoot off that is a lot more intense than just shooting on the line yeah um and then to be summertime which is my favorite um it's 3d and you shoot these foam animal targets in the woods oh, nice. and you're like walking across animal targets that's pretty cool huh. and those have rings on them as well wow so do you have like in, in the 3D ones, when you see them, do you have X amount of time that you have to shoot, you know, each target or is it a not a timed event? 
Yeah, so they um they have the first archer. So you're normally in a 3D shooting in a group of four people. The first person that gets on stake, they get two minutes. Just they have to have a little bit of time to get everything ready for the group. They get two minutes, and then the people following them get a minute. And which that doesn't sound it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually a lot of time. Okay, probably is. <laughs> Once you get used to it, you know, yeah. when you're first up there, you're probably like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even have an arrow knocked in a minute. <laughs> it's, it's not very, um, they're not very strict about it either. It's kind of like if they start to see a group's kind of slowing down and holding everybody up, that's when they actually will get the timer out, but. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice. That's pretty cool. So tell us a little bit about your experience with the you know, you mentioned your dad has a kennel, or you guys have a kennel, family kennel. Tell us a little bit about that, and and why you got into German short hairs. Uh, I know they're a popular dog among among the upland game and things of that nature. But just give us your take on it, and and, and kind of run us through that whole situation. Yeah. So um, the kennel is Mountains Fury Kennel, is what we have. Um, he hunted with short hairs when he was younger. He, his getting into hunting was with, it would be his grandfather and he had a okay. short hair that they took upland bird hunting. Um, so that's how he got introduced to them. And he on his own got really big into waterfowl fowl hunting and he wanted, you know, a dog that's gonna do both for him. Yep. Um, so he got a short hair and we had one when I was younger. And then after he had left, or passed away. We didn't have a dog for a while, which was very sad. Yeah. And then we ended up, it was a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up, uh, he surprised me and my brothers with a German short hair puppy whose name was Gretchen. And she was the start to our life. She was one of those once in a lifetime dogs. She was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, we, we hear that a lot. And you know, she had a few that. litters and he had, yeah. yeah. And she had a few litters and um, at that time he was kind of, you know, breeding for hunting dogs. That's what he wanted, a good hunting dog, a good companion. And then we kept one of her puppies almost 10 years ago now. And that's when we got into NABDA. Okay. Um, and started doing, you know, the, tr the testing, the training through that. So yeah. you guys do all your own training then, and do you train for clients as well with your litters, or you just do your own? So um, we do majority of our training. We have worked with other professional trainers throughout our time, because, you know, everybody has good intake that you can get from one another. Yep. Um, yep. As well as when we have our NAVDA, our, our training days, you know, we help each other out. Um, and then throughout having our litters, we have helped people that have gotten puppies, helping them get started training. And then the last two or three years, my dad did start on other people's dogs and we've been training them. Nice. So how many... Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, go ahead. How many dogs are you guys up to in your kennel now that you guys breed in? <laughs> so we have six dogs right now. We have six right now. Um, one of them, Maggie, who's our one that we started NAVDA with, she's spayed and no longer having puppies. Um, then we have 
Abby, who she's going to have her very last litter. This um, she's going to be bred at some point this month when she comes into heat. Um, and we actually plan on keeping one of those puppies. Oh, nice. And then we have we have Briar and Autumn, who they would be third generation from the start. And then we kept um, we have Willow and Cooper, or who I call our puppies. They're a little over a year now, and they are the fourth generation. Oh man! So, do you guys get like your um, your studs or your your bitches from d different places and bring them in? Is that how you're working that, or are you just trying to work it through your own breed lines? I guess. Um, started out, we have used different um, studs from other people. Um, and, you know, we found these people through NABDA and like we look up test scores and a bunch of information. We talked to other trainers that worked with other dogs to find them. We're now at the point where we, we did keep a male this uh, year ago and we're starting to get where they're far enough um, in our line away from each other that we can start breeding some yeah, of our mountain scary males to our females. Nice. It's a, it's a, really whole, it's a whole science. We actually just got... Um, yeah, we got the um, breed mate program. I'm not sure if you guys have looked at that. And um, I was playing around with it and I've actually have planned three generations from now, what dogs we're gonna breed with, depending on as long as the puppies end up being healthy and like, you know, good hunting dogs. Yeah, but, oh, that's no, crazy. It's really exciting a, to look at. Didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's you, really cool, yeah. How many, how many litters do you guys usually produce in a year so we are at the point where we like doing two litters a year right now okay. and all, are those dogs all spoken for then for the most part before you even have them um so we we do have a i'm sorry or are all those puppies already can you repeat that sorry i missed yeah are all those puppies already spoken for like before you the litter comes so we do have a um, we do have a list of deposits. Obviously, you don't know how many puppies are going to be yep. foreign. So based on that, we'll see if we'll have some left over or if they are all spoken for at the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you guys are doing a lot of duck hunting with your GSPs now. We don't typically see that from where we're from, but clearly it it works well for you guys, right? Yeah, we. It's um it's a main topic that people tell me all the time because they say, Oh, I didn't know GSPs waterfall hunt. And they always tell me, Well, they can't take the cold. And my response is I always show them this video of our dog Maggie. When she was seven years old, we were hunting her in a lake and it was below zero. There's slush and ice at the edge of the lake. And she goes out and retrieves a sixty yard duck, you know, that's starting to float away. She retrieves it, comes back out, and as she's coming out of the water, she's wagging her tail. <laughs> absolutely loving life. And so they're, a... they're they're awesome duck dogs. And so, so give us a yeah, give us a rundown of with so obviously we train uh, retrievers like labs and goldens. We do the waterfowl, some with that. And the guys that we know that have GSPs, they're strictly upland with the GSP. You know, they, they point the birds. 
how is your training and i don't know if you run your gsps upland at all or if they're strictly waterfowl but give us like a rundown you know for guys and girls that are interested in you know maybe getting their gsps be more diverse give us a rundown of a training that you guys do to train your gsp for waterfowl is it similar to how retriever guys do it or is it you know what struggles have you guys did you guys come across to get them waterfowl ready um it's kind of a honestly, loaded question really had... <laughs> no, no, you're good. we've actually um it's very similar training we've actually worked with some lab only trainers because we talked to them about you know force fetch making sure that we're because that helps out because they're really good with that yeah but it's it's very similar training um I mean, obviously you have to teach them versus upland versus water, you have to teach them to hold a steady point to where they're not, you know, going in, flushing the bird out or chasing it while you're shooting at it. Yep. Um, but they need to learn the, not to move until you let them go retrieve the bird, which is the same in both. Um, I mean, honestly, really the only difference is the pointing. And we usually start out on upland and then work to the water because if they got the retrieving down and everything down on land then they should be set with do you find it difficult to get right. them uh to become more retrievers dogs per se so my sister has a gordon setter uh so mm -hmm. obviously he points but he won't retrieve shit he, <laughs> he won't even put a bird in his mouth so like do you find it difficult for that transition mm -hmm. for uh, GSPs to to want to retrieve. No, no, they're they they're extremely birdy, and I think it also depends on the dog too and the line that you're looking at. But we've never really had, yeah, we've never really had a huge problem. The hardest one that we've had was um, my dog Abby, and she just was very hard with force fetch because she was a dog that you know is a very soft dog but you can't go overboard with so it was a very uh thin line you have to be careful with yep. yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's how yep. my golden my female golden she's a super soft like any you, you can't use anything harsh with her so even when i did force fetch with her i didn't really even do a force with it it was more of just hold because if if i even went to touch her ear she just completely shut down you know but then and nick can attest even with you know his lab he was you know they had to like actually force forts fetch yeah. you know and yeah diesel had to be almost beat i mean he was stubborn <laughs> he was stubborn yeah he he has confidence that can't be broken so he was gonna do what My, he was gonna uh... do My dog that I have now, the puppy as I call it, Willow, she is the exact opposite. I really have to make sure when I'm transitioning, if I take her collar off and put it on Abby, I'm 100% sure that I'm always looking at what level are we <laughs> on right now so I don't screw this dog up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of those, man, you can just, you can light them up with a collar and they just keep on running through it. It's, it's crazy. So no, go ahead, Nick. No, I didn't have anything. Oh, so GS, you know, GSPs, they have like a ton of energy, 
for, you know, they got a, a lot of guys like that we know, you know, to wear them out, they're running them four or five miles, you know, and obviously duck hunting is different with being in the blind, you know, and having to sit there. Have you guys ran across issues with, you know, getting them to stay on place or stay in a blind, you know, just with the amount of energy that they have, or is that something that you haven't really had many issues with? Um, once in a while they will, especially when you're missing ducks or it's too early before you can start shooting at birds going by, they're definitely antsy and they're whining and kind sometimes they get a little whining, you have to remind them stop, but for yeah. the most part, they're, they're not going to go until we tell them, okay. Um, the one thing that they do, um, especially Maggie is, so our blind in our swamp is like seven feet off of the water. And the dogs have a goat ramp that they can go in and out of the water. She always, you always have to hang on to her for the first bird because multiple times she's so amped up and excited. She's jumped off the seven foot blind into the water and we're terrified that she's going to get impaled by a stick or something. But that's like the only thing that we kind of see as far as the energy wise in the blind. You got, a, you got a tree stand for duck hunting? Out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bow hunting and duck hunting at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. So how, so how's that? Been bucks or seen swim through there. How, That's how, how does that work? I've never heard of a, a duck blind or goose blind set up seven feet off the ground. So it's something that my dad built. Um, and it's what it is is it's like two by fours i'm not really good with construction wise so hopefully i'm explaining it great <laughs> um <laughs> but they're pretty much the problem is the water level changes so much there so you really had to have it off the ground just in case um but it's two by fours with posts in every corner that's uh put down and then we have like a um a uh, netting type stuff that's you know going over the top of us so they're not seeing us yep. and get flared out yeah yeah that's crazy is duck hunting and goose hunting up in upper you said upper state new york is that where you right yeah. is it mm -hmm. is there that a pretty good flyway for them coming down i guess i'm not really familiar with that area of the country yeah i mean it's obviously not out west um but it's pretty good we did um, this weekend, the first day. The, this year was really hard because um, the water was extremely low this year, but there's been multiple times where we've limited out and it was a good good weekend, but we haven't, we haven't gone out west yet. It's something we've definitely talked about to go out and try. Yeah, I don't think you can beat North Dakota for if you want to do waterfall hunting. Right. It's, we it's crazy. Yeah, we went to South Dakota a couple of years ago. Well, we go every year, but uh, the place we went to a couple of years ago, which was by Winter, South Dakota, birds everywhere. Unbelievable. Yeah. There were I just mean, flocks and flocks and flocks. I was like, oh, oh Jesus. Yeah, there's, I mean, thousands of ducks. Just, it was insane. That would probably be what, 20 hour drive for you guys way up there? Um, I've never actually looked it up. I think it's something similar to that we had a um dog that went that direction that we sold and it was something around that when they were looking it up the 
time it would take to come and pick up the puppy. So when you guys, do you ship dogs or do you make people come to you when you sell them? Like if, you know, somebody. Um, we, we typically, so everyone so far has come up to pick them up. Um, shipping is something that we've talked about and we're looking at, you know, specific um, places to do it through because we want to make sure obviously the puppy is safe and healthy through the whole situation. But a lot of times the people even enjoy coming to see your facility and, you know, meeting us in person. And so we haven't had a situation yet where we have shipped them. Okay. Okay. Now, do you upland hunt then, Caitlin? Do you like yeah. upland hunt? Yeah, we actually, um, last weekend, me and my dad and all the dogs were up in Maine for the oh. first year. Yeah, how was, was that awesome. trip? We, I did see oh, that. It was so yeah, we, so we grouse hunt in New York, which isn't, you know, the greatest. Our dogs might come on a few grouse a year. Um, but when we went to Maine, it was unbelievable. There's, you know, grouse everywhere. Got a bunch yeah. of woodcock. Um, and it was funny to see the older dogs that have hunted on grouse before. They're doing a lot better about staying close and, you know, not flushing yep. the birds. And it's funny to see the younger dogs kind of learn the situation because they keep on trying to go out far and towards the end of the trip they're finally starting to stay a little closer to us and realize okay this is what we need to do yeah so how many birds did you end up getting while you're out there um to be honest i didn't actually keep a number down but um we definitely i at least i did a lot more missing than i should have <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like Nick. No? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> grouse is a totally different um, game than I'm used to, and it's I'm you know used to the duck hunting where you have an open shot the whole time, yeah. and there were so many where they threw, and my dad's like, "Why didn't you shoot?" And I was like, "Well, there was trees in the way." He goes, "It doesn't matter. You just got to do and BB gets some." But <laughs> what uh, what are you shooting? What kind of gun are you shooting? So I have, um, for Upland, I use a Browning Satori. Oh, Everybody nice. loves the Brownings. I love the Brownings. Oh, yeah. Including yeah. us. I actually, yeah. I went to a gun I went to a gun show to buy a new gun for Waterfall, and then I ended up finding this gun and spent my money on that. Stuff. So <laughs> I had nice. to get a different gun afterwards. <laughs> yeah. that a bad, that's not a bad thing, though. So what what yeah. got you use for a waterfall then? Um, so I just got a new one. My brother um is actually a gunsmith and he has an FFL. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So I got a Stoger. I'm trying. I don't remember exactly what the model is, but they have a model that's for women, which was nice because I used to always use their guns, which were always so nice to be like, wow, this is what it's supposed to feel like yeah <laughs> so what's made different for is the stock shorter or i guess what's the, the biggest thing was the stock was the okay. stock was shorter um the barrel was a little bit shorter it was just you know fitting yeah. a lot better nice. nice i didn't even know stoger made one specifically for i mean that's pretty cool yeah it is what yeah women... i think it was like a women in gun is what they called it Nice. Nice. What advice would you give women that are trying to get into the bird hunting game, whether it be duck or upland? What, what do you think is the biggest thing 
for them because you know we're obviously my wife is getting into hunting and Tyler uh, he's got a girlfriend too and she might get into hunting as well I think she wants to take pictures of us hunting I don't know if I can get her to actually (laughs) shoot (laughs) um first off good waiters stay warm yes (laughs) and then honestly yeah that's the biggest thing um for me, a lot of it was, you know, I love watching the dogs. That's my biggest thing. And that's what got me to start doing it. And then the shooting wise is, you know, practicing and shooting clay pigeons and feeling confident about it. Um, you know, the men always have that, you know, confidence that they roll with them. And for being a female, I mean, I just went the first time hunting with my boyfriend and his friends. And I, they said, oh, you're the first girl that we've ever brought and it's kind of like you need to be confident with yourself and not really i shoot them i shoot them sons bitches (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, i did (laughs) don't let them turn you down (laughs) boom (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so what what are a couple of your 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 best stories your best hunting stories uh Take us through some of those. Uh, it doesn't matter what game it is, even if you've done big game or a bow hunt uh, or, you know, whatever. Let's, let's hear them. Um, so probably one of my favorites is, so our dog that I talked about, Gretchen, that was of our line. When she was getting older, she ended up getting cancer, which is really Aww. sad and heartbreaking for us. Um, yeah. And she ended up, the doctors gave her some medicine. It was, they, we did a few surgeries, you know, try and keep her as long as we could. And the doctors gave her some medicine that made her feel better. And it just so, and they get that bounce back period when they give this medicine. Um, and it happened to be that her bounce back period was opening day of duck season. And so we really debated, but she was so wanting to go. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's take her. And we took her. We got, you know, some really great pictures of her and, you know, she, she did great. And to the swamp that we were hunting, you have to walk down railroad tracks. And so we're walking down the railroad tracks as we're leaving. And then all of a sudden the dog takes a 90 degree angle and runs back in the swamp. And we're like, what in the world is going on? Next thing she comes back out with a green head in her mouth that was banded. And oh. No idea where the stock came from. That just gave me and chills. And it was just the coolest thing. Yeah. And it was funny because all of the guys, you know, that were trying to swamp were trying to claim it. You know, they're like, oh, I wounded a dog here, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, this band belongs to nobody but that dog. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. That is awesome. You know, I've I've always tried to give Tyler some medicine so he can have a bounce back period, but he's still <laughs> nothing. Nothing's <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that the picture oh god my headset fell off the picture that you sent us is that the the dog in the picture no so the dog in the picture is abby who was gretchen's daughter okay. and then in the front is briar who's abby's daughter so that okay. would be the third generation there nice gretchen was actually she was a white german short hair um which my dad, when he picked her out, he didn't want a white one originally thinking, you know, duck hunting, we don't want them flaring or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when he did find 
this kennel and he met the parents of the dogs like there was they only had white dogs in the litter you guys mainly have liver liver color right from what i've seen yeah 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 so he he ended up keeping this and she actually we put a camo vest on her and she did we never really had any issues of her flaring ducks um so the puppy that i kept this last year she my very first thing was i want a white dog i want one to throw back to gretchen she was the first she was the first one that we've kept since gretchen and she was the only white female in the litter the only nice. white fe- white oh. dog in the litter and um ended up loving her and i was like this is the keep so isn't it crazy how uh those little situations happen and actually said this in a recent podcast yeah. same, same <laughs> thing happened to me i you know, I picked out my dog Diesel and I said I wanted, you know, first of all, all black males. I was the first one to put my deposit down. Only black male. So it's kind of like, oh, wow. At first I thought I was stuck with this. He was a big old slug and I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> but he's a good dog, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have him. That's awesome. Yeah, we're actually... Um... So we did, I don't know if you guys have seen, so we have a bunch of liver and white is our color. Um, There's also the black and white short hairs. Mm -hmm. And our last litter we had was the first time we bred to one. And they were absolutely gorgeous and people were loving them like crazy. So our upcoming litter, we're also breeding with that same male. And we're planning on keeping one of those puppies and hoping for a black and white one just kind of mix things up a little bit i have only seen one black german short hair um before and he was cool he was super cool um that was at my trainer mm-hmm. uh janie and Dwayne up, up at star keeper kennels but yeah he was he was awesome nice <clears throat> so do you guys have what is the pheasant population up in upstate is that do you guys have pheasant up there or is it it's more of um stock birds that they release and then you can go out and hunt them after unfortunately our pheasant population is extremely low the odds of seeing an actual wild pheasant in new york is uncommon yeah we usually do um in the winter time for the dogs Sometimes we'll go to a preserve just so we get to let them have some fun for a day. And we'll do that just to make them happy. But <laughs> just you, crazy to me. It's yeah. crazy. Do you guys travel? So do you guys travel anywhere outside mm-hmm. of outside of Maine uh, bird hunting? Or do you kind of just, is that your one trip that you guys usually take and then kind of stick around home? So um, we normally are around New York, obviously, and then this main trip was our very first one that we've taken, and it's become, we decided after, as soon as we did, it's going to be a annual trip. And then the more we're getting um, into the NAVDA stuff that I talked about, we're meeting people outside of the state, and we're becoming friends, so we're probably going to start branching out some more. Nice. Yeah, you guys got to get out to the Dakotas. Yeah, head out there. You would absolutely love it. It's definitely on our list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with the with the NAVDA stuff, do you guys do you guys run trials with your 
GSPs or is it, are you specifically yeah, in there so, for? Um, so we started out with that the first time someone had told us that we should go check one out. And the first time we went, um, you know, we had always trained dog to hunt just like they would for the average hunter, nothing serious. And then when we started going to the nab to stop and seeing these dogs work, it was like, whoa, this is cool. This is how we want our dogs to work. And that's how we got more into training. Um, and then we also do do the testing and three of our six dogs we have now are actually versatile champions, which is the highest level you can go for NAVDA. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, it's, it's something we got really big into and we actually started a chapter this year um, where we're located. So, and oh. it's helped out a lot to help our puppy people that have been local to help them get into it and get their dogs trained. Oh, wow. That's so really what is, cool. What is running a chapter for NABDA, what do you guys kind of do and how do you help out people get into training them or do you train them for them? Um, so the chapter typically, our chapter meets twice a month. So we either meet once or twice a month typically. And um, during those meetings, you know, we'll start out in the field and work and then we go to the water and you're pretty much trying to help each other. I mean, everyone runs into problems with their dog and someone else in the chapter may have run into something similar that they can give tips on and help them, you know, go through it. And um, with helping our puppy people, we always tell them, you know, come to the training day. We're gonna give you guys homework to do, show you some stuff. And then you guys, you know, do that for the next month and then come back again and then we'll work on the next thing. Nice. Oh, that's cool. So do you use do you use like some public ground for the the training days or is it held at your guys' place, I guess? Um so we have a pond that we lease. Um that's a private property. And then the fields that we use is actually a member in our club. Um he lets the club use them and oh, that's so nice. we have that after. Yeah, and then we have our own uh, facilities too that we might go afterwards, uh, obedience stuff and things like that. Nice. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome. It takes a lot of work to put all that together and and be doing that. So, are you do you work full time then for the kennel, or is or I guess what do you what do you do, Caitlin? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't mean so that in a bad I, way, but I'm just like, you, you got to be like full yeah. time here if you're running all those yeah. things. And then you're bow shooting, like, you, I mean, shit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the club stuff is, uh, I can't take the credit for that. My dad did a lot of that, um, putting that together. But um, as far as the kennel goes, um, he does, I have my dog, Willow, that is my first dog that I'm training on my own, which is really exciting. And I've Good helped him throughout dogs and be there um but as far as the kennel goes i'll help him when he needs it for training and then i do you know the websites and the social media stuff um, i do watching online looking at dogs scores for sires and stuff like that putting together seeing what pedigrees look like when we cross dogs um mainly like That's a cool. lot of the computer work stuff awesome. and then he, That is, that is awesome that you're that into it. I guess I didn't, I didn't realize you could. Yeah, I started I, that when I was. Plan like that. 
I didn't realize that was. Like, is that a computer program that you use or like? Yeah, so there's, there's a computer program called um, Breedmate. Breedmate? And, um, Breedmate, oh, yeah. I think Tyler went on so, that for his uh, online dating site. So <laughs> oh, didn't find yeah. anybody. <laughs> Good. All right, on to the... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is this is not vodka. This is water. <laughs> um, but you can go on there and do it. It does take a little bit of first download it because um, you have to enter in dogs and current dogs and their pedigrees and stuff. But then you can see what it looks like to cross CCOI and all that kind of stuff. But that's I mean that's insane. that's crazy. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I get really into it and like I love looking at pedigrees and seeing all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm so so laughing about it. I'm sorry. Oh shoot. So give us a, give us another good story since we're already cracking up here. What do you give us another one of your favorite hunting stories that you have? Um I think probably so like I had said before um Abby was our hardest one to get to for sweat and that kind of stuff. So we took her, um, I mean, it's not truly hunting. We took her to a preserve to go pheasant hunting after we had this yep. work put through her. And um, the first rooster that came out, I ended up shooting it and she did the absolute perfect retrieve. And it was the first one that was like, yes, she's got it. This it's working and it was yep. great do you plan and, on and then today she went go ahead go ahead sorry so today we went duck hunting and um i was sitting with my brother and abby was there and this is you know years later since she's had her force fetch yep and um we had a widgeon come in my brother shot it and he got it in the leg and then it was kind of getting far out, but I was like, I'll take a Hail Mary shot. And I shot it. I ended up dumping the thing. Nice. And we had, and the dog didn't see the bird go down. And it, be, it was behind us. And, you know, there's a bunch of, it's in a swamp, a bunch of reeds, thick stuff. So it's I seven, pointed her Seven foot down? Did you, have, did you have to propel her down off that? Yeah. Seven foot down? <laughs> so this is a different swamp. Oh, okay. <laughs> different swamp. <laughs> yeah. But um, so she'll she'll take hand signals too. So I was able to point her in the direction she nice. needed to go, and I told her back. And she went in the reeds where I couldn't see her anymore. And she came out, looked at me, and I told her back again. And she went back, and she was gone for you know five ten minutes. And all of a sudden, she comes out with a widget in her mouth, and she's so proud nice. of herself up high wagging her tail and it was just it's so cool to see how far she's come to it's, the dog she is now it's crazy you know you get a dog out there and they go and it's kind of scary when you can't see them like that and you just well let me just sit here and wait because yeah. I, think they're gonna, I think they're gonna come back you know you, <laughs> and sure shit they do so, so it's kind of it's it's absolutely nuts. amazing what they can do it is we actually um i don't know if you guys are familiar with um the lynch mob calls at all 
they're they're a duck hunting call and we had um george lynch came and he actually hunted with us and there was a camera crew that came and did some video stuff for the okay. advertising for them and um, yeah it was the first time he's he even questioned when he saw the short hairs he goes we're taking short hairs waterfall hunting and we're like yeah <laughs> so we um we took him out and he had shot a bird and it went way out and we you know sent the dog out into the swamp and she was gone for 20 minutes probably and he looks over to my dad and goes are you worried about the dog and this was maggie and he's like no she'll come back when she has the duck and after that 20 minutes she comes from the opposite side of the swamp with a duck in her mouth and it was just crazy that she was able to find that is insane that is insane (laughs) is that so is there a video with you guys on it on youtube or anything yet or is it still being made no so it was um i don't know if they ever used that specific footage but it was for advertisements for the calls so they never made you like a youtube video just like clip stuff and pictures for them oh nice Mm -hmm. so was he impressed with the short hair after that absolutely yeah (laughs) that's good that's awesome so is your plan, Caitlin, to take over the kennel someday? Like the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad, you know, he's still got a lot in him to do it for a while. So I don't imagine that's going to be anytime soon. But um, yeah. even just kind of breaking off and still being part of Mountain Spirit Kennel, but kind of having like a part of it with me. Um, we talked about in the future, you know, maybe I'll keep all the males where I live and then he'll have the emails but it's definitely something that i'm going to be a part of for, for as long as i'm around, around so <laughs> nice that is very yeah. cool uh, <laughs> okay. you, you know you kind of envious of you know tyler and i were you know we haven't had the luxury of growing up around that so you know it's kind mm-hmm. of all self-taught obviously you guys are self-taught too but to have a kennel and to have the breeding and to have all that there and then to be able to pick which one you the you know which dog it's you awesome know, that's that's a dream yeah Yeah. that's every hunter's dream to to have all that uh bottle up into one Mm -hmm. very cool well yeah well caitlin we appreciate your time we usually like to keep these things around 45 minutes ish to an hour and we have done that and you've been great and we will ask you to be on future podcasts when they when we come around um but in the meantime flushman dustman we'll talk to you later thank you very much Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Yep. Bye. Bye. See you.